0: The church to just kind of just dissolve and, and, and you know, and we didn't want the church to just go down the toilet just because our daughter was struggling, so we stayed with it, and God bless. You know, it was a rough time, dark time, <laughs> you know, just walked around just sad, you know, that kind of thing, uh, but we're in the maintenance stage now. There's a daily chemo. Uh, you know, sometimes she's on like six or eight medications in a given day, but right now it's just chemo every night, uh, there's nothing extra right now. When we get back, we have another appointment. Uh, in Manhattan. But think about this too, like our hospital is not easy to get to. You know, when we do the cancer visits, you know, it's in Manhattan, you know, it's Sloan Kettering, Manhattan. So from Staten Island in Manhattan, if that's rush hour, you know, it's only a couple miles away, but for some reason it takes a couple hours to get there. But uh, you know, it's, it's just not an easy commute. Uh, so just pray for us. By the way, our burden is to plant more churches in New York City. We want to start teaming up with more guys coming. There is 57 million people in the Northeast Corridor, and there's just a lack of churches. I mean, major cities, millions of people with no gospel church. You know, in Staten Island, you know, there's two independent Baptist churches. And not that I'm just writing off people I don't agree with or in different schools or camps. There's, there's two. And we're one, of, you know, we planted the second independent fundamental Baptist church. So it's just, a, it's just a crime in the Northeast and the burden there. There's just millions of people, a severe lack of churches, especially New York City, but you, you, know, you go from, you know, say, Baltimore and Maryland area all the way up to Maine and those capital regions around the Northeast states, and there's, there's just gobs of people. And also trillions of dollars in, toward the GDP of our country. You know A lot of money filters through the Northeast as well. I mean, I think California kind of runs our culture through Hollywood and all that kind of thing, and the Northeast kind of runs the finances of our country in many ways. And there's just hardly you know any good churches there. Uh, here in the spring, if you've not already heard about it, I'll give you a card after you want, if you want to pray about it. Uh, but I'm going to help a church plant uh, plant a church in Trenton, New Jersey. Pastor Lou Gunnery, Straightway Baptist, and and uh, brother Barnes. And so a bunch of other guys, maybe some of you know, like Solid Rock Baptist Church in Berlin, New Jersey, and a, a lot of those guys and those pastors, we're going to get a church planted. As far as we know, there's not really a church in Trenton. I think there's a small one that we found, but for about a million people, there's not one that's a solid church. So we're going to get a church planted here in May and uh, April and May. So pray with us on that as we're calling it the, Tr- the Trenton Gospel Crusade. So even though you know, we're raising support, kind of staying busy, grab your Bible tonight and turn to Nehemiah chapter 6. Please pray for us as we uh, transition into planting another church. And uh, It's one thing to do it the first time and to do it a second time, uh, but we will be planting churches till the Lord calls us home or calls us to another ministry, but that is our burden. That is our calling. Uh, I just designed our new prayer card, got the proof this week actually. As we were driving down to Georgia, I got the uh, front and back card. I think I texted pastor on it, uh, so maybe it's it was given to you digitally, but once we get it printed, we'll send you a bunch of copies here. Uh, you know, my wife's home church has to have our prayer card. So, uh, but anyways, you know, we are failing. You know, there is a lot we could talk about of the state of the affairs of the country. You know, I think we have dull preaching, dead congregations, and dry-eyed Christians. There's a lack of personnel. There's a little provision. There's lazy praying. There's a lot of issues today. Uh, but hopefully tonight, I can encourage you. But Nehemiah 6, a familiar passage, but you know I just want to breathe a little bit, a little fresh fire on it. But in verses 1 through 4, I think we get a burden here of Nehemiah. And I firmly believe we need a Nehemiah today. We need this, this spoken to us again. We need to be renewed in this thought of building this wall. But in Nehemiah chapter 6, it says, And it came to pass, this is verse 1, That when Sabalat and Tobiah and Gesheb and Arabia and the rest of our enemies were, Heard that I build the wall. We're starting to do something for God and build up that wall protection. We know the story. You might be somewhat familiar. If you don't know the story, please read Nehemiah. If you have some free time, it's a miraculous book of what God did. But they're just kind of building this wall to protect the city of Jerusalem. And he even kind of tells them, you know, I'm kind of mid project here. And it says, in that, that at that time, there was no breach left there in. Though at the time, had not set up the doors upon the gates. Kind of sounds like a church planner, you know, always in the middle of something. You know, I hadn't really set up that, that wall yet or that door. I remember when we actually added a door in our storefront and we just poked the hole. And even when we did, we did an exterior wall the same way, we just poked the hole and kind of just covered it up, you know, until we could get the door in. So, you know, Nehemiah's right there. He's like, hey, we're mid project. But, you know, the enemies heard that. It says in verse 2 there, that's that Sembala and Geshep sent unto me, saying, Come, let us meet together in one, some, uh, some one of the villages in the plain of Ono. But they thought to do me mischief. And I sent messengers unto them, saying, I'm doing a great work, so I can't come down. Why should the work cease whilst I leave it and come down to you? Yet they sent unto me four times after this sort, and I answered them after the same manner. This message actually was birthed in our church plant. Uh, uh, In the second year of our plant, uh, we lived in an apartment at that time, and now we do live in a house, which is, uh, we rent a house, but we had first lived in this apartment. There's 90 apartments in our building, and we were lobby floor, so it just so happened that, some of you might remember this, you know, we had that septic flood and 90 apartments worth of Bathroom things came into our, uh, into our apartment and flooded out, you know, our, our bedroom, our kids' room, closets and hallway and bathrooms. And we, we lost thousands of dollars worth of stuff. You know, we had to throw out everything. Uh, you, you, know, you could keep it, but the smell kind of is hard to get past. And, and uh, you know, so that was a rough time. And at that same time, we got a, a text message that uh, two of our biggest tithing members were leaving the next day. And God gave me this very message, and I've kind of dusted it off. I've been traveling with it a little bit, and, and it speaks to my situation today. But, you know, we were really discouraged. We were even thinking, like, you know, do we need to replant now? You know, it's just rough. People are leaving, and we're getting flooded. And, like, what's going on? And uh, so the, the devil has been fighting since day one. Praise God, the church is nine years old, and it's still going. Hey, they ran out of chairs on Thanksgiving. We had Thanksgiving Sunday, and the new pastor said we ran out of chairs. It was just it was filled. Praise God. But listen, let's have a word of prayer and see what God has for us. Heavenly Father, we can't come down from this wall. Lord, help us tonight just with a quick thought of just not coming down from the wall, do, doing what God has called us to do, whatever that responsibility may be uh, here in Columbus, Georgia, for wh- whoever person tonight, it, it means something very different for, than for us in New York City. But, Lord, it's all the same. It's all in ministry. It's all in church and doing something for God. Lord, we need that today. We need Nehemiahs. and We need people that will build a wall and serve our pastor and, and, and unite with the local church and do something for God, Lord. We need more of these. We need a 1,000 Nehemiahs, Lord. And I pray you'd help us with this thought tonight. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Tonight, I want to give you three, uh, three reasons I can't come down. Three reasons I can't come down and reasons you shouldn't come down either. But first of all, uh, the first one's very simple. But the reason we can't come down from the wall, the reason we can't stop doing something for God and stop building a wall for God and doing a work for God is because Jerusalem lieth in waste. Jerusalem lieth in waste. Look at uh, chapter 2, verse 17. Look at chapter 2, verse 17. He says right here, That uh, This is chapter 2, verse 17. Then said I unto them, you see the distress that we are in. Of course, you know, back in chapter 1, you know, the city's on fire. You know, there's a heaping pile of rubble. Wall was broken down in verse 3. You know, that's chapter 1. And the gates were burned with fire. And he's like, listen, it's a a distressful situation. It's a a bleak situation. Uh, you know, uh, you know scenery, you know, it's just an, it's something we can't get beyond. I mean, it's one thing to say it's a, it's an issue today. It's another thing to see heaping piles of rubble. I mean, if we came to church tonight and Grace Baptist was up in flames, it would have break our hearts. I mean, we just padded those a few years back, and we just kind of painted this you know, not too long ago, and we have all this Christmas decoration, and everything's burned up. And we we would all do something about it, right? We would have got here, probably had church in the parking lot. But we we would all have said, "Hey, Pastor, I want to give you some extra money. Let's rebuild the church. Let's we've always wanted extra space. Let's kind of finish the building up the road. And by the way, that looks beautiful up there. He gave me a tour in May. I love that place up there. I can't wait till you guys get that done. But you know, it, it means something when there's a heaping pile of rubble. But listen, across the board." Mission's down. By the way, BIMI uh, just, just this year had the least amount of missionaries in candidate school than they ever have. Maybe you've already heard that. But across the board, mission boards are down. There's less missionaries going out. There's, there's pastors, that, there's churches looking for pastors. There's less pastors. There's less guys going to Bible college. Less girls going to Bible college. It's bleak. I mean, from West Coast Baptist College all the way up, you know, the East Coast Baptist colleges all across this area, you know, in the Southeast, you know, it's a bleak, you know, situation. And then you look at the Northeast, and there's just, there's just gobs of people with no good churches. I mean, listen, we are in a distressful situation. Nehemiah said, listen, ye see the distress that we are in. Now, I think when we see the distress, we go on Facebook and talk about it, or we tweet about it, or we, we, we do a blog about it. You know, that's all good and well, but listen, we ought to do something about it. You know, a lot of that just talk is cheap. You know, let's do something about it. Let's support more missionaries. Hey, let's encourage our young people to be church planters and, and pastors in America. Hey, I love America just like you. I'm, I'm a patriot just like you, and I want to do something about it. He said, we, you see the distress that we are in. How Jerusalem lieth in waste, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. Come, let us build up the wall of Jerusalem, that we be no more reproached. Now look at verse 18. I love what he says here. He said, then I told them of the hand of my God, which was good upon me. When you can look at a heap of piles of rubble, man, you must be a man of God. You're like, listen, God's good. Listen, God's great. You know, I think we have to kind of get that way in ministry sometimes. You, you look at all that happens and, flood, you know, septic floods and people leaving and people cursing at you and talking about your wife. And, wanting, wanting, you know, we've been the cops over situations. And, oh, man, listen, I could just unload on you tonight. And then, and then to, to weather COVID, I see black lives march by the storefront. I'm like, okay, that's, that's interesting. You know, and then our, you know, shortly after that, then our daughter gets cancer. I mean, listen, we've been through it. But but you know, God is good. I should be in hell. And I ain't a perfect Christian. I ain't a perfect pastor or a church planner. I'm waiting for that perfect guy to come up there and, and just plant a thousand churches. But but listen, until they all come, you know, we're gonna do a work for God. But you know, God's good. God's good. You know, and he's good upon me, as also the king's word has spoken unto me. And they said, let us rise up and build. Let's team together to do something for God. Hey, Nehemiah, we want to get behind you in this wall project. We want to build this. Jerusalem, life, and waste. The reason I can't come down tonight, the reason I can't stop church planning, the reason why you shouldn't stop here at Grace Baptist is because we need to rise up and build. We need to rise up and build. So they strengthen their hands for this good work. Missions is a good work. Church planning is a good work. Worldwide, you know, missions, the 1040 window, Southeast Asia, South America, Africa, all over the world, the Arctics, Australia, the Caribbean, all America. It's a good work. We ought to do this good work. He said, we need to build a wall. We need to start by protecting our city. We need a good work. What is a Church. Well, it protects the people of God. It, it's where there was no praise of God, no worship of God, no church, no, no house of God. And then you plant one. And then, and then for the first time, God smells a sweet-smelling savor. Think about church planting. In, in a place where they, it was just the devil was running rampant, thought it was his area, and I'm prowling around seeking whom I may devour and I have control of this area. And then you have this kind of church planter comes, and of course, Satan fights him. But, you know, but then for the first time, there's a sweet-smelling savor. I love church planting. I love missions. Think about that. You know, maybe some tribe in South America, some tribe in Africa, or or, or some major city in Southeast Asia, and then, and then there's a church there. Praise God. Jerusalem lieth in waste, but we need to do something about it. I want you to listen to uh, the words of a preacher. This preacher said this about America. We've had a we've uh, about uh, I'm sorry about his country. He said uh, we have arrived at a crisis in the church. We uh, we've uh, we're at a crisis. It should awaken a deep feeling in every heart. We have turned away from God. We have grievously backslidden. We have fallen into open sins. Uh, he went on to say, and now God is ready to come out in judgment against us. He's already chastening us with his sore displeasure. Reverend Bidwell, to a bunch of national preachers, and it was said in 1846. 1846. He said, we are in a crisis. I mean, if, if Reverend Bidwell thought in 1846 we were in a crisis, in the culture that he lived in. Listen, we are in a crisis. We're in a crisis. Now, I'm not in a lot of the nonsense now. I'm kind of a little disconnected from social media, which I kind of enjoy, but you know, we are in a crisis. I don't know what they're fighting about these days, but I don't really care. We're just going to plant some churches, but it's a crisis. <laughs> you know, Jerusalem lieth in waste. I can't come down. You shouldn't stop because there's something to do. Hey, there's teens in this building. There's kids uh, in another part of this building, and, and we need to do the work of God. We need we, we need to recognize the worship of God is in ruins. The temples is in Uh, The church is in ruin. The work of God is in ruin. The the wall's broken down. And listen, you know who stepped in in its place to to fill the void? By the way, they used to call Manhattan the the Borough of Baptist. You know, there you got the boroughs, the five boroughs. They used to call Manhattan, believe this or not, in old historical writings, they call it, it was the Borough of Baptist. You know know what it is now? It's 80% Catholic means eight out of ten people claim to be Catholic in, in, in New York. It's just just a wicked place. It's, it's, people aren't, it can't get saved in Catholicism. You know, and so where, what is raised to the, what you do see, where you see whereas, whereas down here you'd see like a Baptist church on every corner, you see a Catholic church on every corner and priests everywhere and people just, it even marches down the street with some kind of idols and they're following this, sometimes ethnic ones. It's just wild. Jerusalem lies in waste. There's a need to rise up and build and do something for God. You know, in Ezra 9:10, it says there, And now, O our God, what shall we say after this? We have forsaken thy commandments. I think we've forsaken uh, what God's told us to do. Of course, you have maybe like worldly Christians, maybe not caring about ministry, not getting involved. To where you have ten percent of churches, you know, ten percent of the people doing ninety percent of the work, and that happens across the board. And so you have overworked, you know, church people that it's just these ten percent people doing everything and wearing out and getting getting tired, getting burnt out, get, get having mental breakdowns because you're doing everything. Listen, it's a distressful situation. It's a stressful situation. We need to rise up and build. You know, what's the reason I can't come down tonight? Because Jerusalem, lies in waste. We need to get to the need of the hour. Now, I know we are in the Bible Belt, but the, the, the Bible Belt's losing its buckle. You know, I feel like it's, it's not shimmering it's like it used to. And uh, I want you to go strong. Listen, I want this to be packed every Wednesday. I want it to be packed every Sunday. You ought to be strong, and we want to be strong. But listen, we can't come down from the wall. Number two tonight the reason I can't come down from the wall is because the enemy is fighting. Now, that almost goes without saying, but go back to 6. It was our opening text. But, you know, when those rest of those enemies had heard, you know, they wanted to meet together. And, uh, you know, it's kind of interesting. There's a lot of church planning coaching these days, you know. Now, not, not really in our circles, you know, but I did hear of a guy. He paid a church planning coach. And, you know, it's a guy I knew, too. I went to school with him. He went a different direction. He was just telling me this wacky story. He paid a coach. I don't know what the amount was, but he needed, he needed his money back. By the way, uh, the church that he was planting, it, does, it failed and never got off the ground. It closed down. So the coach, I don't know what the coach said, but it was some bad advice because uh, the church closed. So, I mean, listen, I don't care what you said. You said something wrong. But, you know, uh, and so... You know, the, you know they, they always want to have a conversation. They always want to act like they're an expert on what happens. But God's already put the plan in here. And I'm not, I'm not trying to oversimplify or overcomplicate, but God's made it very clear. We need to evangelize. You know, I think that the, the state of affairs today, you know, the enemy is fighting. I think we've lost sight of soul winning. We've really lost it. Now, I know we all fight of the methodology of soul winning, but we, across the board, we're, we're losing sight of that. It still is evangelism and soul winning and winning the lost. It's just really what it is. If there's empty seats, you got to fill them. And then, then after you reach the person, then you have to disciple them. Yes, discipleship is key. It's not necessarily primary. Primary is reaching the lost. Secondary, discipleship. It's all laid out in the Great Commission. We're to you know reach people, disciple them, see them added to the church, baptize, and then grow the local ministry. But the enemy fights against that. Fights against evangelism. Fights against soul winning. Fights against uh, what the work of God is. And they were fighting. They, hey, let's go talk together. Well, you know, um, you know Nehemiah I said, listen, I'm doing a great work. I'm doing something. I can't talk about something. I'm doing something. I don't want to talk to you about it. I don't, want to, I don't need to go to the coffee shop and no, oh no. I don't need to talk to you about church planning and pastoring and ministry and the, the 10 best ways to plant a church or 10 best ways to grow a church. I, I don't have time for that because I'm, I'm doing something. I'm, I'm building this wall. Look, look, I got this wall to build here, and, and I don't have time to talk about it. I've already got a plan. I've already got the money for it, and it's time to build the wall. I don't have time. The, the enemy is always fighting, fights the outreach, fights the building fights the discipleship oh listen uh, the enemy fights discipleship you know i i, I came into the church by I, I had these i was bright eyed and you know, i was like i'm going to disciple everybody you know i'm just going to meet with everybody individually you know i'm going to i'm going to disciple everybody which i did a lot of and you know then i had to get some I had to get some group things going and as you as you grow you know but the enemy is fighting constantly he fights you personally fights them as you're discipling them fights them when they get a new disciple i was always I was always reluctant to give a new disciple a disciple, because then, you know, if I didn't give them the right disciple, they'd get discouraged with their first disciple. Well, I just don't know about this thing, pastor, of discipling people. You know, my, my, they never show up. And I'm like, well, listen, I mean, there is good, you know, <laughs> all these kinds of things. Listen, the enemy has always fought it. The enemy is fighting. The enemy is fighting tonight. Everything that Grace Baptist Church does is always going to be a fight. That building's going to be a fight, what's what done here, all the ministries around, who you hire, who you fire, uh, the, the ebb and flow of ministry, there's always a fight. But listen, that's not a reason to stop. That's not a reason to come down. That's not a reason to just to forget about the wall that we are building. We are building, building protection. And listen, the enemy is fighting. You know, that, that word is interesting, When they wanted to do the mischief. Look at verse 2 again. You know, really what the enemy was doing is they thought to do him mischief, mischief. And uh, I don't know how southerners say it. Maybe I'm saying it in a northern way, but mischief. Sometimes she does correct the way I say things. But, uh, you know, you know what that word means in Hebrew? Very interesting. It, among many things, to give bad or evil, it, it can mean also to give pain. You know, that's really what the enemy wants to do is just give you pain, to have you in pain. He's just happy when you're just in agony and pain and unhappiness and misery Oh, he just loves it. The enemy loves it. (laughs) Look, I got that Christian. Oh, they're discouraged. They hate church. They hate pastor. Hate the leadership. Hate who he's hired. Hate the youth group. Oh, they hate everything. I love that Christian. The enemy loves that. They want to talk about that. Hey, you're failing. I'm glad you're failing. You know, let me tell you how to do it. And you know what's even more discouraging? All these bad ideas, and they act like they're experts, and then you think of what is happening. You lose sight of what is happening. Hey, if you win one soul, it's worth it. If you win one soul, it's worth it. Hey, listen, nine years later, a 100,000 spending budget in a small church, one in Bible college looking to plant a church in Boston, and we support seven missionaries, 100 a month, and, uh, and, and we have one that joined the church, a young black family who's gonna plant in Long Island. Listen, God can do wonderful things. And nine years later, there's a lot of development, but the enemy's always fighting. The enemy's always fighting. Every big day, it used to be that every big day, we would hold our breath, cross our fingers almost, because something bad would happen. You know, some random crazy person would come in and just start cursing at people, or some drunkard would come in. You know, just always on a big day, always on a big day. But listen, the enemy's always fighting. I remember one time they took our outdoor bench, and this lady just threw it, you know, and, and just went in the street. And uh, we just never could keep benches just where they were. We had one stolen with Black Lives Matter, and the other one was thrown in the street. I don't know why they like my bench so much, but it was only 100 bucks for a bench. You know, the enemy's always fighting, but God is greater than the enemy. Hey, he thinks he's powerful, but greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. They thought to do a mischief, wanted to give him pain. But, you know, he sent messengers. He didn't go, even go himself. He's like, listen, hey, guys, go talk to these guys. I, I don't have time for that. Tell them I'm doing a great work. I don't have time to come down. Hey, Satan fights you constantly, slanders you, tempts you, hinders, wrestles, tempts, harasses, blinds, spiritual eyes of unsaved people, keeps unsaved people uh, in bondage to sins, you know. He smites, murders, those tears. You know what he said to Peter? He wanted to sift Peter like wheat. He wanted to sift him like wheat. That's what he wants to do to the Christian tonight. He wants to sift you like wheat. He wants to just uh, uh, grind you till you're just stressed out, freaked out. That's what Satan wants to do. But God's greater than that. God's greater than that. It doesn't even matter. I've been been challenged at different times. We we have a multicultural church. We have people from Africa. We have black Americans and white Americans. My secretary's Hispanic, Puerto Rican, you know. Uh, She married a Middle Eastern. uh, He's three things, Middle Eastern, black, and... I don't know Caribbean or something I don't know I love him but you know I, I can't remember he's like everything and uh, you know we're multicultural and uh, we have black we have a black couple that are cops. We have white cops, we have black families, we have white families. We have Ukrainian and Russian I mean we literally have it all. They all the wars, all the fightings. we have it all. And I was encouraged when Miss Jessica, or that's one of the, the black cops in our church, a sweet lady, I've used her, her family picture on an Easter flyer, and uh, she said, Pastor, you know all lives matter, and we, we love your heart, and we know you're trying your best, and she was encouraging me through, you know, COVID and Black Lives Matter and all that, and, and I really, uh, my heart went out. We, we love our black people, we love our white people, we love our cops, we, we love our church, you know, it's, we don't love anyone differently and it was just it was hard you know but the enemy is always fighting that and and fighting church unity you know a lot of what that did is it, it crushed church unity especially in a multicultural church hey i love everyone in our church i love every person every every background every ethnicity i love the food they bring on sundays it's wonderful i hate that way to leave the church but listen he will lie cause you to doubt tempt destroy fight devour depress and try to dominate you but God is greater than all that. I can't come down because the enemy is fighting. I don't have time to answer that text message. I don't have time to answer that email of the enemy. I don't have time to give ear to that that talking oh no, going down to that coffee shop. You know, I'm just putting that in there, but listen, I don't have time for that because I'm doing a great work. And and thirdly and lastly, I think I can't come down tonight primarily because I'm doing a great work. That last little thought there in verse uh, three, the enemy surely is fighting, uh, Jerusalem life and waste, it's, it's a distressful time we live in, but listen what, what Nehemiah had said there in verse 3. And I sent messengers unto them saying, I'm doing, I love that, first of all, I'm doing a great work. Now, I, I think great there, we kind of think, oh, it's, it's just great, it's awesome, you know, uh, but great is it's a big task too, right? It's a, it's a huge task. I remember when I told my family, and even though they're northerners, I was like, you know, I was from Pennsylvania, and I was like, I'm going to New York City to plant a church, so like, New York City, I mean, you're from Pennsylvania. Like, What makes you think you'll, you'll make it in New York City? You've never lived in a, a major city, let alone New York City. And, uh, and, and it is a big task. It's a big undertaking. I'm going to take on the largest city in America and try to do something in the middle of New York City. I mean, it's a great work, right? And to build a wall is a great work. Even today, if you were to build a wall around this building, that would take some work, right? If, if you were to do that, I mean, it would be challenging. I mean, okay, even, even we have all this technology, but I need to get an architect. I need to pay for it. I need to get the guys to do it, whether I hire it out, whether I get some church guys to offset that. And, and then we got to do it, and we got to make sure it's right and lined up, and the concrete and the footers are running right, and that it doesn't teeter over after we finish it. I mean, we are we going to do wood? Are we going to do concrete? I mean, there's all these things. And, um, but it is a great work. It's a huge task. It's, it's a great responsibility. It's a great work. I mean, there's much we can say about this work, but let me make it very clear. I'm not great, but the work is great. The work is great. The, wor- the work is, satis- is satisfying to the soul. The work is great. You know, as I look back at the church, as I, as I even watch an older video of that building, and it's different now that as we transition, I just look at what God has done. I remember when we were in that small space, and we were struggling for that $900 in rent. I went to you know, the church, and I was like, listen, I, I, God's leading me to get another uh, bigger building, and I'm looking at one that's like 3000 a month. And, you know, it's given us about three times the size. And we need that. And we're running out of chairs and space. And I, and one of our godly guys, he kind of reamed me that night. He kind of ripped me a new one. And, and he's like, you know, that's, a, that's like the tippy top of our budget. I mean, that's just, that's all just going to rent. Like, how are we going to do that? It's just, and that very night, I, I, I don't know how I had mail in my mailbox, but I had, I had a mail and someone had sent me $12,000. It was a sporting church. And they said, hey, I know you're looking for a building. And we just want to pay your rent for the next year because I know you're looking. And we had already, we're looking at that $3,000. So uh, I remember getting like so much money in and spending it so fast. But, but God was in that. I was in that. You have to do that. Listen, before I got to New York City, I, a pastor told me you ought, you ought to be able to take a $100 bill and just burn it. You know, walk outside and burn it. And if you can do that, you can live in New York. It's just, you just throw away money. You know, there's just all these kind of things you pay. It's a great experience. It's a great sacrifice. It's great people. It's great services and victories and memories. It's great memories. It's great salvations. The work is great. They laughed him to scorn. They sent it multiple times. I mean, you know, in verse 4, they sent it to them four times. You know, and Nehemiah's like, listen, I can't come down. Listen, I'm doing a great work. They sent him four times. He repeats it over and over again. I'm doing a great work. You know, the message of the enemy you don't stop with one. It isn't, oh, I was strong today. I denied that enemy. I denied his message. No, it came multiple times. They laughed at him. Look at chapter 2 real quickly. Chapter 2, they laugh at him. The enemy laughs at us. This is uh, chapter um, uh, 2, verse 19. And it says, uh, but when Samballan, the whore knight. And by the way, this is after that verse we read that God is good. So he's like, God is good. Here's what the enemy does in verse 19. The very next verse. But when Sambalat, and the Hornite and the of the servant, the Ammonite, and all those guys, when they heard it, they laughed us to scorn. Ha, what's these little Christian believers? What are these believers going to do? Oh, they're going to build us a little silly wall, right? They laughed them to scorn. They despised us and said, what's this thing that you're going to do? What are, you, what are you trying to do, guys? Well, you rebel against the king? They were king followers, and we still have that today. You know, you know political followers, but uh, praise God, we follow God. But they laughed him to scorn. They try to distract him. He said, why should the work cease? I've never met anyone who didn't want their lives to matter, to make a lasting difference. People like to think that at the end of their lives they did something significant that can be remembered for. No one wants their memory to be consigned to oblivion, yet this is what happens with entirely too many people. They live their lives in mundane manner, doing mundane things that have little or no impact on those around them. When I saw Elizabeth at Bible College, an ambassador, I noticed she was different. I was a northerner. that was different. But, you know, the way she was, I could tell she was a different Christian than a lot of the other girls. You know, she just was different. She was raised in a place called Grace Baptist Church, and she came from a great family, and I could see that evidently. And when I, once I met the family, uh, listen, I, you know, uh, this is a great family, you know, and, and, and I love her family more than I love my family. And uh, my family, they fight all the time, and I maybe mean, that's why I fight all the time. Uh, I don't know, but... Uh, you know, just the northern way, to, we just all would talk loud, and we're all like this, you know, and so can you imagine all around Christmas time, there's there's a bunch of these, you know, and then we just all fight about stuff, and I, and I just sit there, and I just, you know, try to be quiet, but, you know, whatever, and, uh, you know, I just noticed it was, it was different, and, uh, so you know, so not talking about just being faithful is mundane, but listen, just even doing what we ought to do here at Grace Baptist has great impact. It builds up the young people as they grow up in this church and then marry spouses and then enter ministry or, or work regular jobs and, and do it for the Lord. It has great impact. It's just as important as Nehemiah building the wall, or as the guy down there doing, doing his part that Nehemiah told him to do. Now, I want you to go all the way to where it was finished. Look at chapter 6. And down to verse 15. I can't come down because it's a great work. Look at verse 15. So the wall was finished in the twenty and 5th day of the month, Elul, in 50 and 2 days. I love how he even like, writes it down. It was finished right at this exact time. I'm, so, I'm excited, you know. It just, he just writes it down in 52 days. 52 days. I mean, the wall. We're not talking about like in, in current day. This is done like way back in the day, thousands of years ago, and they did it in 52 days. Why? Because it was team mindset. They wanted to get to the work. They understood the need of the hour. They understood the enemy was fighting. They understood They understood the, their leadership, Nehemiah, and they finished that work. And it came to pass, when all our enemies heard thereof, and all the heathen about, uh, that were about us saw these things, they were much cast down in their own eyes, for they perceived that this work Was wrought of our God. If anybody knows me, anything in that video or anything that you know of our ministry is not because of me. I I probably mess it up half the time, but, but listen, it's because of what God did. God wanted a church in Staten Island. God led me to do it and used me, but it's not because of me, it's because God did that. God did all of it. Moreover, in those days, the nobles of Judah sent many letters to Tobiah, and the letters of Tobiah came unto them, and they, they began to talk about, you know, you know, all these kinds of things. But listen, it was a great work that was done, because they understood these things. They, they couldn't come down from the wall. Don't stop. Don't quit. We break our nail when we quit. We discourage our, our kids not to go to ministry. Something's got to change. Something has to change tonight. We have to fill these pulpits. There's empty churches. All across the country. It's 10, even in 10 years. I was raising the first time 10 years ago. As I'm starting to see now 10 years later, just 10 years. It's really bad. There's less missionaries raising support. And I'm like, wow, where's everybody at? You know, it's, just, it's, it's wild out there right now, and I'm getting like a firsthand see of this, and it's just burdening me. we got to do something about it. We need to encourage this next generation to serve the Lord. Or we're going to have empty churches that will close their doors, and they'll never find a pastor because there just isn't personnel. If we have less missionaries going, less pastors filling churches, and less church planters planting then we basically have less. Churches will close, and that'll be another 10-year sermon I'll have to develop you know, on that one, but we gotta do something about it, but there's a chance we can do something about it tonight as we pray at the close here. Let's ask God to speak to our hearts tonight. I don't know what God is speaking to you about. I don't know if you're discouraged. I don't know if I'm just speaking too fast for you as a northerner, and you're not really getting anything, but, but listen, I think God could be glorified in what we do in these moments, but let's have a, our heads bowed and our eyes closed just really quickly. I'm going to ask two important questions as it's applied to this thought tonight. First of all, the Bible says that the laborers are few and that we are to pray the Lord of the harvest that we send forth laborers into the harvest. And let me tell you, the harvest is plenteous. The harvest is white already. People need you tonight. And if you're maybe thinking tonight, I think God's leading me to ministry. And you could be a young black man. You could be a young person. You could, you could be even like a six-year-old. You could be a 10-year-old tonight. You could be, you could be a 50, 60-year-old. It, I don't care who you are, what you are, what color you are, where you are, how you vote. I, I don't care about that. But if you feel like to, maybe tonight that God's leading you to ministry, you're needed tonight. You need to rise up. And by the way, for, for let me tell you, in the Northeast, we need more black families. I'm just going to lay it out there. We need that. There's a lot of black families that need you, and if you're black tonight, I'm for you going into ministry and thinking about pastoring, and you'll be well-received in the north. We need you, and we need you down here, too, but, but listen, we need you up there, too, uh, in multicultural ministry and reaching families for the Lord, especially Hispanic. We had 18 Spanish speakers. If you speak Spanish tonight, you're needed in ministry with every head bowed and every eye closed. If you say, Pastor Dave, would you pray for me? I think God's leading me to full-time ministry. Doing this as a career or a job, but I think God's leading me to ministry. And you just show me by raising your hand. I think God's called me to the ministry tonight. I'm not trying to to make you called. The way I preach, maybe you think I am. But, you know, if you feel like God's leading you, just raise your hand. I want to pray for you. I think God's leading me to ministry. Anybody at all? I see that hand. Thank you. I see that hand. Anybody else? All right, you can put your hands down. Maybe I didn't see it, but, uh, but thank you for those that raised their hand for ministry. And I, I do pray as we close, I'll pray in a second, and I do pray that you'd have open doors of, of clarity for ministry. But let me ask you a second question because here's where the rubber meets the road. As I preach this in other places with these similar thoughts, usually it's just a couple hands that are raised, but the, all of us now remain, right? We, there's a work at Grace Baptist right here in Columbus, Georgia, who would say tonight, you know, I, I, I need to be doing more or get involved in something new here, but I need to be doing more at Grace. I need to get more involved here in the local work. I need to get, get to my part of the wall here at Grace Baptist. But tonight, maybe, maybe you're renewed in your commitment. Maybe you want to do more. Maybe you want to just get involved in something. And listen, you're needed here. But you'd say, Pastor Dave, would you pray for me? I think God's leading me to get more involved here at Grace. A hand already up. Anybody else would join this? really all across the room and all sections you can put your hands down. thank you for your honesty. if, if it's something you're, you're not, not really doing anything right now and you want to get involved in something, go to your pastor right away and let him let him know that you know I want to get more involved I feel burdened for the, such and such ministry would you help uh, fit me in somewhere pastor and he'll fit you in every pastor that gets that he will fit you in somewhere and talk to the leadership here and let them guide you on that but let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, would you first of all be with those that raise your hand for ministry? Lord, we need more preachers. We need them all over New York City. We need them all over the Northeast, from Maine to Baltimore to, to Boston to New York City to Philly to Pittsburgh to Harrisburg, uh, all over Pennsylvania, you know, uh, Buffalo, New York, and Niagara Falls. Uh, we need preachers all over the Northeast. We need church planters all over the Northeast. There's millions of people. We need, we need pastors and ministry people all across the world. Africa needs, needs the gospel. Southeast Asia needs the gospel. South America needs the gospel. North America, uh, Canada needs more churches. And, Lord, I pray you'd be with these people that feel a call to ministry. Make it clear. Open doors. Maybe they need to get an education in a Bible college or Christian college, but make that clear as to which one and what to do and for how long and guide them through that process as you you did for me. And then I met Elizabeth Acree. And uh, be with all that and all the process for that. But then for those that want to get involved here, Lord, we're going to stay at home, and we're going, to, we're going to be faithful here. We need more soul winners. We need to get back to old-fashioned soul winning, winning the soul, praying over the soul, battling for the soul. Someone didn't give up on me, and someone needs to not give, uh, give up on somebody here in Columbus, Georgia. We need more soul winners and disciples and, and people getting baptized and encouraging in that direction and joining the church and serving the church and doing the finances and doing the children's ministries and teen things, and we need to get more involved here locally. This church needs to remain strong as as all other churches. But, Lord, would you guide us in these things, Lord? Be with these people. Maybe there's some. It's the first time they're considering something and lead them into ministry, Lord. Help them to find their niche, their spot to be at at that wall. But, Lord, tonight, what a great work we have before us. We are but one church and one congregation, but collectively we join hands across the nation. We need to do more in our generation. This is our generation. I'm unwilling to just hear talk about it. I want to do something about it. And I pray that's our heartbeat tonight, collectively tonight, as we're all serving together. Help us with these things, let pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Brother. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Go ahead and stand together as the uh, invitation hymn uh, begins. Uh, if the Lord worked in your heart tonight, uh, the altar is open. Uh, those of you that raised your hand uh, to commit to ministry, to full-time service, or, or to get involved here at the church ministry, uh, maybe it was to uh, uh, begin soul more, be more serious about it in our everyday lives. Uh, the altar is open now to come make those decisions and commitments to God. as I am without one plea, but that Thy blood was shed for me, and that Thou bidst me come to Thee.